forget where we've come from and where we are going. That is towards Jesus. Take a moment to speak it out loud over your life, your family, and our world. Now let's read together. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Honor your father and your mother, as the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, you shall not set your desire on your neighbor's house or land, his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Well, good morning. Well done. Give yourselves a hand for reading all of that scripture. Y'all did great. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Uh, if you have your Bibles, join me in Deuteronomy chapter 5. We just read a section of what is known as the, the Ten Commandments, or we read all of the Ten Commandments, rather, and we're going to hone in on one section. We've been in this collection of sermons entitled The Practice of, o, uh, of Hospitality, and um, as we're looking at what does it look like to be hospitable towards others, how do we love our neighbor as we love ourselves, and we're learning how to do relationships well. It's not that uh, I think many of us don't want to be hospitable towards others. I just think that we're not really good at relationships. And we need to go back to some of the boundaries that God helps us understand and establish so that we can be healthy in our relationships. And so we want to help you do relationships well. And uh, that's kind of what we're talking about and kind of the framing of these things. And, and the, the, the Ten Commandments were more than just some set of laws and rules they had a purpose to them. Their purpose were to teach the people of God how to get along on a 40-year camping trip. <laughs> Trying to help the people of God learn how to do relationships well. And so we're, 
throwing it back to the Old Testament to learn and discover these things. And uh, we're going to jump in today and look at this one, verse 12 through verse 15, this one commandment that God gives us, the fourth one. And um, I, I want to give some credit where credit is due um, and, and give some recommendations all at the same time. Today, as we talk about this, this word Sabbath, as we talk about keeping the Sabbath, remembering the Sabbath and making it holy, um, there are three books that have been really instrumental in my life over the years. Three things that have really, uh, three authors who continue to be a strong voice in my life that I'm learning from and really appreciate. And they wrote some books on this subject. Uh, one is by a, a man by the name of John Mark Comer. He wrote a book called Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. John Tyson wrote a book called Beautiful Resistance. And the third is by uh, Dr. A.J. Swoboda entitled Subversive Sabbath. And uh, these are three books that I highly recommend um, as you dive in and learn in some of your own formation as, as you look to follow Jesus and practice this hospitality in the ways of Jesus. And, and they wrote uh, about this subject of Sabbath. And here's what the word says in Deuteronomy chapter 5, starting at verse 12. It says, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. As the Lord your God has commanded, six days you shall labor and do all your work. Somebody say work. work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male or female servants, nor your ox or your donkey or even your animals, nor any foreigners residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Somebody say rest. Remember. Somebody say remember. That you were slaves in Egypt. And that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. In some of the translations that you would read, you will find that at the very beginning it says not just to observe the Sabbath day, but to remember the Sabbath day. Did you know that before Thomas Edison invented the light bulb, people on average got 10 hours of sleep each night? Some of you are like, I'm getting rid of all of my light bulbs from here on out. They didn't have anything else to do, like... The sun went down, dinner was finished, and they like looked at each other, what do you want to do? I don't know, what do you want to do? Eh, let's go sleep. And they slept. They got up a little earlier, I'm sure, because when the sun came up, they were up. But they slept when the sun went down. They got 10 hours of sleep each night. Some of you are like, I'll settle for an hour. Dear Lord, will this baby stop crying? Like, I get it. I remember those days and have no desire to go back to them. I just empathize with all of you parents of infants. Did you know that it's been said on average, we touch our phone 2,617 times a day. Friends, there are only 1,440 minutes in a day. A 
As we start to unpack this idea of remembering the Sabbath, I want to ask you a question, but I want you to think about it, and I don't, I don't need you to, to respond. I just want you to internalize it. Which of the Ten Commandments that we just all read together, which of these Ten Commandments are you most comfortable saying, I can break that one, I don't need to obey that one? You know, if as your pastor, if I were to um, commit adultery, if I were to um, constantly be lying to all of you, if I were to um, break any of the commandments except one, I would get fired. But if I didn't keep a Sabbath and I worked hard, you know what I would, you know what would happen to me? I'd probably get a raise. What would happen in your, in your job? If you obeyed all of the commandments but this one, what would happen in your job? I think it's important that we stop for a minute and acknowledge that if there is one commandment we continually break, ignore, and blow past, and then brag about it, it's this one. How you doing? I'm busy. What you been up to? I've just been working all the time, just nonstop. I don't know what to do. My schedule's crazy. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And we literally make it our main way in which we respond to greetings and salutations amongst one another. Without any regard, like it's completely normal, like yeah, I know, we're all like this, it's fine. We're all tired and worn out and have no time and there's no margin and we're rushing and we're hurrying and we're moving from thing to thing and nothing in our day has sacred time beyond a few moments of a day and, and we're just moving at the speed of light trying to do more with less all the time. I think it's important to note that this is the only one of the Ten Commandments where the Lord continually says, hey, I want you to remember this day. I want you to remember this one. I want, I want you to come back to it because we tend to forget the important things in life sometimes, don't we? Oh, we don't forget them on purpose. Like, we don't wake up and be like, man, I really hope I forget everything important today. But over time, we drift in our attention and our affection and our discipline, and we move in a direction to where, by default, by accident, by natural drift, we end up in a place where we forget some of the most important things. You might be sitting there already, and you're trying to, like many of these each week, trying to say, okay, what does this commandment have to do with hospitality? Let me help us uh, connect some dots for just a minute. When I am rushed, stressed, overworked, and not present in this moment, I miss opportunities to show hospitality. If I live with zero margin in my life, that means when people enter into my space, my time, my day, I don't have anything to give them because I've used it all for myself and for other purposes. When I'm constantly rushed and stressed and 
in a hurry. I easily miss not only this moment, but I miss perhaps an opportunity that God is sending me to live in a hospitable way and love my neighbor as I love myself. Uh, John Tyson said it like this, the maker of our bodies knows their limitations. And what, what overwork can do to us and that is one of the reasons that from the very beginning, God impressed a rhythm of alternating work and rest into our time. His regular rest is the Sabbath, and we consider it outdated at our own peril. In a world of nonstop pursuit of achievement, men and women who are willing to let go of their tools and rest, not merely for self-care, but to retune their hearts to God's calling are going to stand out. They're going to be a prophetic witness that having it all is really having nothing if we don't have a life. But followers of Jesus, for followers of Jesus, rest is both our present reality and our destiny. See Hebrews chapter 4. Rest must resist exhaustion. I don't know if you realize this, but the more connected we live, the more active we become, often the more disconnected we end up being. Jesus said it like this, if you try to gain the whole world, you're going to forfeit your soul. And what's the point of that? I think the more connected we live, the more disconnected we eventually become. We think about it in our marriage. We may be more connected with each other over technology and texting and phone calls throughout the day, but then we get home and sit on the couch engaged in something while in the same room, but not in the same thing. We become disconnected. In our souls and our spirits, we can't sit in a moment of silence without fidgeting and moving to the next thing. We have a whole line of products for our children called fidget toys. That's not a statement of condemnation. I employ them in my home as well. But what has happened is that in our ultra-connected world, in our ultra-busy world, in our quest for more information and more data and more things and more this and more that and a sense of more belonging and more value and not missing out, we find ourselves in a place where we can't be led by still waters which is where God intended to restore your soul. We find ourselves in moments where on a Saturday morning we sip some coffee and immediately we jump to our task list. And we live in a hurried pace and our souls and our spirits become disconnected from our maker, from our God. In our churches, we, we can't sit and worship. We can't attend and worship because we're so connected in so many other things that we miss out on a local expression of time with the people of God and our families and our relationships. The more connected we live, often the more disconnected we, we become. A.J. Swoboda says it like this, our time-saving devices, technological conveniences, and Cheap mobility have seemingly made life much easier and interconnected. As a result, we have more information at our fingertips than anyone in history. 
Yet with all this progress, we are ominously, uh, or ominously dissatisfied in bowing at the sacred altars of hyperactivity, progress, and technological compulsivity. Our souls increasingly pant for meaning and value and truth as they wither away exhausted and frazzled, displeased, ever on edge. Our bodies wear ragged. Our spirits thirst. We have an inability to simply sit still and, and be. As we drown ourselves in 24-7 living, we seem to be able to do anything but quench our true thirst for the life of God. The result is that we have become perhaps the most emotionally exhausted, psychologically overworked, and spiritually malnourished people in history. Friends, I'm not lost on the irony that I am preaching this message to the masses through technology. That I'm reading my notes on a tablet and that we encourage you every week to pull out your phone and go to faithchurchks.org and take some notes and follow along in the sermon notes tab. That irony is not lost on me. I fully believe that we can use these tools and opportunities to connect and engage and to use them as resource to help us. But somewhere along the way, we have to be willing to draw some lines around something and say, there needs to be a boundary here. There needs to be this understanding that, that we need to work hard. That we need to put effort and energy and, and, and things into our lives that at the end of the day, it's a blessing to lay your head down tired from a hard full day's worth of energy spent in the right direction. I think those are good things. But I think that we need to understand something deeper, something more rich, something that the creator of the universe has installed and given to you as a gift. It's this understanding of Sabbath. Somebody say Sabbath. Come on, type it in the chat, Sabbath. S-A-B-B-A-T-H, Sabbath. The word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word that means to cease, to stop working. It refers to doing nothing related to work for a 24-hour period each week. It refers to this unit of time around which we are to reorient our entire lives as holy, meaning separate from the other six days. Sabbath provides for us now an additional rhythm for an entire reorientation of our lives around the living God. Sabbath isn't a hiding and a withdrawal and a moving away. Sabbath is a disconnecting from some and a full reconnection with others. In Genesis chapter 2, you see the very beginning of God's intent as it relates to Sabbath. Genesis 2 chapter, uh, chapter 2 verse 1 says this, Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. 
because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Six days he worked in creating, and on the seventh he stopped, he Sabbath, he ceased. He had a holy pause. I think it's worth noting theologically for just a minute that God didn't stop because he was tired. He stopped because the rhythm of creation demanded a selah, a moment of rest, like our music has these moments of rhythm and rest. All my musician friends will understand the notation of Rest. Those of you who are familiar with the, the, the scriptures in the book of Psalms, you'll be reading and it'll come to this moment where you'll read in Psalms and it'll say, Selah, pause, rest. It's a Selah moment. The Sabbath was a moment to Selah. And God instituted the Sabbath. This is pre-law. This is pre-the commandments. This precedes all of everything. At the very beginning, God said, I'm creating all of these things for the people that I'm creating and making, and it's called Sabbath. It's a gift to you. Friends, we serve the God who invented the weekend. We serve the God who, who he had created everything. And don't miss this very, very important thing. The first thing Adam gets to do with God isn't work. He invites him to rest on Sabbath with him. Oh, Adam had plenty of responsibility to do. Naming animals, tending to the garden, having dominion, cultivating life, and enjoying the things around. He had a lot to do, but he didn't do any of it until he Sabbath with God. Friends, that tells me that we're not supposed to rest from our work, but rather we rest for our work. It, it, it's to be a place where we, we enter it from a place of fulfillment, a, a place of worship. If you read Genesis chapter 1, you'll see the rhythm of creation for a minute. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but God intended for our day to start from a place of rest. It, he created this on the first day. It was evening and then it was morning and that was day one. And God created this, and then it was evening, and then morning, and that was day two. It wasn't, it was morning, and it went for all sun up, and then evening came, and that was day two. That's not where it started. Why? Because it doesn't start with the moment you work and effort. It starts in the moment that you rest. See, for the, for the Jewish people, it was a matter of a lunar calendar. In other words, their, their new day begins when the sun goes down. It's, it's the ending of a day overnight that begins. See, you start your day with sleep and rest, and you end it with some working. It was evening, and then it was morning, and that was the day. There is a rhythm and a cadence to the creation of God. And many of us are living our lives off beat and off the rhythm that God intended for us to live. And we wonder why our, the sounds of our world are chaotic to us. And we wonder what is going on. I think it's interesting that God says he blessed the seventh day and he made it holy. This is the first time in all of your scriptures that the word holy appears. And it's not referring to God himself. It's referring to something that God set apart and he says, this is holy. He said, I'm blessing this day. Friends, 
when we fail to enter into the participation of Sabbath rest, when we don't have a rhythm of Sabbath in our lives, we are missing an opportunity to enter a place that God says, that's where my blessing is. There is a blessing that awaits you when you discover the rhythm of Sabbath that you don't experience until you stop and cease and Sabbath with the Lord. What's the opposite of blessing? curse many of us end up at the end of the day and we're like where did my time go where did it go I wonder if it's because we're living our lives trying to be sovereign over time when God is that I actually want you to stop once a week and remember that I'm sovereign not you and Sabbath requires that we stop in those ways. Friends, I, I think it's important to know, I, I do believe this with all of my heart, that, that rest without work is laziness. Rest without work is, is laziness. Listen, a vacation won't fix a life vacant of rest. Let me repeat that. A vacation won't fix your life that is vacant of rest. God didn't invent the vacation. He invented Sabbath. He didn't bless the vacation. He blessed Sabbath. There's a rhythm of, day, of weekly rest that he blesses. I'm not saying God's opposed to your vacations. Go on your vacations. Have fun. Take lots of pictures. I want to celebrate with you. It's great. It's wonderful. We should do it. These are blessed moments. These are, these are great moments with you and your family and times of activity. I think it's wonderful. But a vacation won't fix a life that's vacant of rest. More time won't fix bad time management. More money doesn't fix bad money management. More relationships won't fix bad relationship management. More energy and caffeine shots won't fix bad energy management, friends. The Sabbath is holy. It's set apart. It's there. And for most of us, we're afraid to rest from our work because of this thing of FOMO. We have this fear of missing out. If I don't work, I won't have the, if I don't work hard, harder than everybody, if I don't work more days than everybody else, then I might miss out on some financial things. I, I thought God was your provider. I, I thought it was him who supplied all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Friends, I'm not opposed to hard work. You're, you're not gonna ever hear me say work, work less hard. No, I think as followers of Jesus, our calling card ought to be the most trusted employees ever because we work hard, we do our job, we do it with integrity, we, do, we work hard at our craft to be better than everyone else. We steward what God has called us to do. I'm tired of lazy Christians. But I'm also tired of us who continually take life into our own hands and refuse to abide by the rhythm that God says he created as a gift for us as well. Friends, work without rest is 
a rest without work is indeed laziness. And for many of us, we're afraid to stop, to take a, a period of time where we, we lock the phones away. We re-engage with our family. We just do things that are enjoyment. We're afraid to do it because we might miss something financially. We might, we might miss some news and get lost. And we might not be caught up on everything that's happening in our culture, in our community. And, and we might miss this event that, and we, were, we missed the deadline for our kids to sign up for the thing. And, and we might not have that information or, or we might, we might say, say something and we're, we, we might miss this or we miss that. Friends, I think it's time that we uh, maybe enjoy a little bit more of a closed on Sunday approach. Fear of missing out? Did you know Chick-fil-A that is closed on Sunday is the official catering of heaven? Just kidding. <laughs> They're not. But, but you know, closed on Sunday is their thing, right? Six days they work. Six days their restaurants is open. Did you know they are the third largest fast food chain in the world? And they don't have near as many stores as number one and number two. And did you know that they gross more per store than the top two or any other food chain, uh, fast food chain store in, in the world? Last year, in 2020, $4.3 billion in gross sales for Chick-fil-A. They did that in six days, what everybody else is trying to do in seven, and sometimes 24-7, them drive throughs are open. Friends, when we take a step of faith and we decide to obey God at his command and his word, I'm just telling you, you're not going to miss anything. God's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of you. That's why he said it's holy. And don't you remember, I brought you out of Egypt. He tells us to remember in the very command what he delivered us out of because it's on the Sabbath we stop and we intentionally tell ourselves, I'm not God, but I serve a God who can. And we stop and we Sabbath. John Mark Comer says it like this, our job, is to make the invisible God visible. To mirror and mimic what he is like to the world. We can glorify God by doing our work in such a way that we make the invisible God visible by what we do and how we do it. Friends, this is why I really do believe that we ought to work hard. That everything that we do, we work as unto the Lord and not unto man. That we have a different motivation for clocking in our nine to five. That we have a different rhythm in how we orient our schedules and prioritize our time. And it's all for the purpose of making the invisible God visible. But I wonder if our pace of life as followers of Jesus blends in with the rest of the world and we've become a slave to the society in which we live rather than shifting the culture to the conversation of the invisible God being made visible. Friends, Jesus came to fulfill the law, not replace it. In other words, Jesus came to be the final piece of the puzzle to clear the picture of what it looked like for God to walk among us. 
He didn't come to do away with the law to say the Ten Commandments don't have a place anymore. He came to fulfill. In other words, there was a gap between what they were having and the ways of their command and what God fully wanted them to experience, and Jesus fulfilled it. He filled it the rest of the way. There was some pieces missing, and he came and was that missing piece. So the picture of God, his plan for humanity became complete. And when we allow Jesus to be our identity, when we allow him to be Lord in our lives, then we begin to allow the story of God to be told through our actions and we join God in completing the piece of what it looks like to present God to the world around us. I think the story of God is told through our actions and sometimes our inactions, through our attitudes and our priorities. Matthew 13, verse 22, Jesus is telling a parable about how the kingdom of God operates. And he's explaining it because he, he says, the sower sows some seed and some seed fell on this ground and this ground and this ground and this ground. And some produced and some didn't produce. And in Matthew 13, 22, he says this. He says, the seed that fell among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word. But the worries of this life. And the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and make it unfruitful. Friends, I wonder if there are some worries in your life. I wonder if you've been deceived by certain pursuits and it's actually choking out the fruitfulness that God is trying to produce in you and that you long to be produced, but you keep scratching your head wondering, where did it all go? Why, why am I not growing? Why am I not flourishing? Why am I not seeing the fruitfulness of God in my life? Where is it? Maybe it's not that the word is wrong. It's not that you believe the word. That wasn't work. So it's not an issue of your faith as much as it is an issue of the cares and the worries and the concerns and being deceived by other things that is choking out the belief that you had because there's a different priority. John Tyson says it like this, that, the things that overwhelm us and rob us of intimacy and fruitfulness don't manifest themselves as grave spiritual threats aiming to rob us of our destiny. They just seem like, well, life. Travel sports on weekends that rob us of local and religious connections. The season three of Blank on Netflix that takes time away from listening to our neighbors relentlessly checking social media, which cultivates envy and erodes our compassion. These things subtly seduce us and distort our vision of life. They take up the space required for the gospel to thrive. I often wonder whether this is why the church lacks credibility in our world. Maybe it's not just our big scandals and cultural failures. Maybe it's something much smaller, he says, something much more common, something more deadly. Maybe it's our exhaustion. Maybe we are too tired to model agape love, too scheduled to show compassion, too distracted to sit and pray, too much like the exhausted culture around us. Friends, rest without work is laziness, but work without rest is foolish. It's foolish. 
Mark 2, verse 27, Jesus says this. He says, the Sabbath was made for man. Not man for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made as a gift from God to you and to me. Sabbath was not intended to be a legalistic set of rules, but rather a life-giving rhythm. Jesus was confronting the religious leaders who were turning the Sabbath into a legalistic opportunity to control and manipulate people. But he always intended for it to be something that was life-giving rhythm. Oh, a rhythm of life-giving. When you stop and Sabbath, that is you charging up for your week ahead. It's, it's this replenishing of what you have given out. It's a replenishing for something to be poured out later. Sabbath was not intended to be legalistic set of rules but rather a life-giving rhythm, which means that Sabbath is something that you ought to be exploring and implementing in a way that serves your family well, not legalistically binding you that creates shame or guilt or condemnation. The question then is, Pastor, how exactly should Sabbath look? I mean, are, are we like going all the way back to Jewish times where like Friday, sundown, we do nothing until Saturday at sundown and like we just hang out in the house and we don't do anything. Is this, is this what you're calling us to? I, I don't know, maybe that's a part of it for you. I, I'm not Jewish, I've never pretended to be Jewish and so I'm not necessarily living all of their things but I have found a rhythm of Sabbath in my life that has been both refreshing and helpful and I wanna give you three things that I think Sabbath ought to include in your life. As you start to explore and have conversation in this week in your connect groups, we're going to talk about how, how can you establish this rhythm of it? How, how can you begin to do this? In your, your time home this weekend, I'd encourage you to talk with your spouse if you're married and be like, okay, what, what, what would it look like for us to reorient our schedules? Or where in our lives are we slaves to our schedules? Remember the Sabbath because they were once slaves in Egypt. Friends, you may not have a slave master, quote, unquote, but I wonder if there are things that dictate everything that you do. Something that may not be centered on Christ. What, what should Sabbath include? I think it should include three things. It should include moments of surrender or worship, rest and delight. Somebody say surrender. surrender. Say rest. Yes. Say delight. delight. Surrender. This is where we have a moment and a time within our Sabbath time where we worship. For you, that might be a Sunday. This, this may be a part of your, your moment of worship, but, but I think Sabbath, remember, Sabbath means stop. It doesn't mean rest. Sabbath means to cease. Sabbath means to stop in a moment, and I think one of the most important things to do is to on that moment in that time frame where you're Sabbathing that you would actually surrender to the Lord. To worship God and say, God, you are God, I am not. And so today I stop from my work. I stop trying to produce. I'm, I'm surrendering in this moment. God, I'm not gonna let fear hold me back. I am surrendering. I think surrender and worship should be a part of our Sabbath time. 
there's a couple churches that I follow and, and I enjoy and they stream their services. And so for me, in moments of my Sabbath, I worship and participate in a church service. Because I don't know if you're aware of this, but Sunday is a work day for me. I like to worship while I work, but it's still a work day. So for me, I want to make sure worship is a part of the rhythm of my life. Surrender is important. Let me ask you this question. What countercultural actions are you integrating into your life that help you trust God more fully and relinquish the lordship of your life to him? This area of our time, are you the Lord of your time or is God the Lord of your time? I think when we choose to find Sabbath, it should include some moments of surrender. I think it should include rest. Stop producing something. Slow down. Don't speed in the car. Don't rush. Sometimes we have phrases that we say like, oh, if only it was Friday. If only it was this, or I can't wait to. And what we're really doing is living with being enslaved to escapism, trying to escape our reality. But Jesus invites us into a different reality. It's called a life of rest. Sabbath theologian Walter Brueggemann says, is the refusal to let one's life be defined by production and consumption and the endless pursuits of private well-being. For me, on Sabbath, my wife and I, we Sabbath on Friday. We don't work. We don't produce. Not working on new messages, new things, new... I, I try to stop. Your pastor is incredibly driven. Efficiency, productivity, these are... I hate to say core values of my life, but they are like core to who I am. And so for me, a refusal to do anything of that sort is a countercultural measure to re relinquish lordship to the Lord. Surrender, rest, do something that replenishes your life. Rest, stop, just slow down for a little bit. Surrender, worship, rest, and then delight. What do you do on Sabbath? Whatever you like to do. I have friends that they start Sabbath with a candle and they light some candles in their home in the evening and then the next morning they wake up and they make pancakes, gobs of pancakes. They don't wake up to an alarm. They wake up when they wake up or their kids wake them up. And they make pancakes and they cover them in syrup because Sabbath is meant to be sweet. My wife and I, we don't cook. We'll eat out, and we buy enough at lunch to have leftovers that night. Because she doesn't want to cook. Frankly, neither do I. So we, 
we find things to enjoy. I work with people and technology and creative content. I'm always thinking and writing and planning and strategizing and I'm in my head. And so you know what I do when, to, to find delight? I do things with my body. I work in my yard. I play golf. I go for a walk. I go for a run. I might read a little bit, but not anything that's going to re-engage my mind in a way that's like, oh, that's be a good sermon. I need to go write that down. No, no. I, I do something different than what I do the other six days. I do something different to engage a different part of it. It's delight. It's delight. What, what do you enjoy? Eat good food. For, for, the, for the people of God in the Jewish culture, it's centered around the table and a meal and great wine and friends and gatherings and laughter and delight. And they were commanded to have sex. I think we bring sex Sabbath back, friends. I think it's time to bring a little Sabbath back. Those other fools don't know how to act. Delight. What do you do on Sabbath? Surrender. Rest. Find delight. This week, I want to challenge you to, to practice the way of this. Maybe start with just short Sabbaths. Maybe for you, it's like a three-hour block on Sunday. Maybe it's a three-hour block on Saturday where you disconnect and re-engage with the Lord, where you stop where you Sabbath, where you rest, where you find delight, where you enjoy. Just maybe start in a small window of time and begin to build in a rhythm of work and rest. Work and rest. On the central hub in sermon notes, I've included a, a, a Sabbath prayer that you can pray as you begin your Sabbath time, whatever that would be for you and your family. There's a prayer that's included, taken right out of Lectio 365 prayer app. It's a beautiful prayer in which to pray as you begin your Sabbath. A.J. Swoboda said so beautifully that Sabbath is a scheduled weekly reminder that we are not what we do. Rather, we are who we are loved by. Sabbath and the gospel scream the same thing. We do not work to get to a place where we finally get to breathe and rest. That is slavery. Rather, we rest and breathe and enjoy God that we might enter into rest. Isaiah 25, 6 paints a beautiful picture as well. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all the people a banquet of aged wine, the best meats and the finest of wine. He's talking about salvation and Sabbath. Sabbath is meant to remind you of your salvation in God. Because you can't save yourself any more than you can add another second to your day or life. Would you stand with me as we come to the table of the Lord today? If you would pull out your communion elements and you can go ahead and just open up the top, get your bread and then the bottom has the juice. Go ahead and open it. And as you hold both of these in your hands, would you just close your eyes for a minute? Isaiah 30, verse 15 says, This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel, says. 
in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. Maybe you're here today and the Lord God is not the Lord of your life and you want to begin following him. Maybe this is your moment. This is your day of salvation to experience a rest and a grace that only comes through Jesus. If you're interested in learning how to start following Jesus, our team will be available at the prayer spot. They'd love to pray with you and give you a book that'll help you get started in having a faith that is uncomplicated. Friends, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you today? In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. Fathers, we come to your table. We acknowledge that we need Jesus. That we couldn't save ourselves on our own, but he came and rescued us instead. Lord, each day we come to this table and part of our worship is to take the bread, which is your body, and the juice, which represents your blood, and we remind ourselves of what you've done. But Lord, may it also today serve as a reminder of the rest that you've provided for us, a grace that you invite us into, a rhythm of life-giving rest that you want us to walk into, that you empower us and you are God and we are not. Lord, help us to orient our lives in the proper way this week as we start taking short Sabbaths, as we begin to practice Sabbath, making room for other people in our lives as we do. Thank you, Jesus. Friends, let's take the bread, which represents his body now, and the juice. Just hang on to those cups in a minute. You can give those to our host as you exit. Let me pray over us. Father, I pray that you would bless us and keep us. That you would make your face shine on us and be gracious to us. That you would lift your countenance towards us and give us your peace, your shalom. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. And all the people of God said, Amen. Hey, friends and family, I hope today's message was life-giving for you. I want to ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe post it on your social network or text a coworker the link. And when you do that, you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them. Hey, if Faith Church has made an impact in your life, if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? When you do that, it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real Jesus. You can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. If you're if you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see it in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.